Amen. You can be seated. Thanks for being here this morning. Uh, we've got a missions trip to Colorado tomorrow. We're taking 15 to Colorado with us, and there are prayer cards out in the Welcome Center. If you want to get one of those, pray for us this week while we'll be gone. We would appreciate that. I'm going to have Roy go on and make your way up here. Roy is a member of the Gideons here at our church. He's going to share a quick Gideon presentation to us. And then after Roy, Andrew and Romina Self are with us today. Wave at us. Uh, they're right here down front. We have supported Andrew Self and his family. They grew up in Argentina. They've been in Argentina and tried. Baptist Church has supported them for 15 years, and we are actually their sending church. In addition to Daryl Burnett and Rick Reynolds, we also support the Cell family, and he's also Pastor Rob's nephew. I told him you would not hold that against him when he preaches to us this morning, but we're glad that you guys are with us. You come preach to us after Roy. Roy, we're glad to have you with us today, too. Thank you. Good morning. How could a good God take away my dad? Listen to this testimony from a man from Alabama. He says, my name is Jared. I was raised in church all my life, and at the age of nine, I gave my life to Christ. When I was new in faith, things were easy. But as I got older, things changed. I realized my relationship with God was not a priority in my life. During my teenage years, I struggled to find direction. I recently lost my dad to a short battle with an aggressive battle of cancer. I went to church and I began to doubt the truth of God's word. How could a good God take my dad? There was a fight for my heart between God and my flesh. I was consumed with anger and bitterness over the loss of my father. In an effort to hold on to him, I went digging through his old stuff. And I found a Gideon Bible, a New Testament with a Gideon emblem on the bottom of it. He said, I clung to it like a lifeline. He said he took that, his father's New Testament on walks when he'd go through the property out in the country. And his favorite place was a cave with an underground spring. And it had a ledge that overlooked the water. He said he would sit there and talk to God. He said he began to feel his presence of God meeting him there. He said he ended up rededicating his life to the Lord and found, his, found God in the pages of his Father's Testament. He renewed his spirits and gave him new hope. For the first time, he said, I have peace about my Father's passing, a peace that surpasses all human understanding. I've never been closer to both of my fathers, my earthly father and my heavenly father. I'm so thankful for the relationship with Christ, which grows each and every day. In Matthew 24, Jesus said, there will be wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still yet to come. So in these times of mass shootings, brawling demonstrations, unheard of violence, and the seem of lack of respect for other people and their rights, we're left to wonder, is there anything that can be done? Is there anything we can do to change our surroundings? Yes, I think so. There's one scripture that you always hear the Gideons talk about. And we repeat it often. God says in Isaiah 55, 11, So is the word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I achieve and for the purpose for which I sent it. 
And that's why I become a Gideon, because I know that God's Word is the only thing that's going to change people. You and I can't do it, but God can. Now, going back to my original thought about wars and rumors of wars, let's talk a little bit about Ukraine and Russia. As of the 1st of June, there were more than 4 million refugees that went into surrounding countries from Ukraine. There was over 6 million that went from the cities in Ukraine to the outlaying western part of Ukraine out in the country. That's over 10 million people that were homeless. They were refugees in places that they'd probably never been before. With a staggering number of refugees, the need is so great to have hope in the form of God's Word. Additionally, uh, to date, that we've given out over 100,000 scriptures in the surrounding countries to refugees. Additionally, there was 300,000 scriptures moved from central storage in Kivit to different cities in western Ukraine, where hundreds of thousands of refugees are searching for shelter and help. Now, I'm going to tell you something you probably didn't know. We have over 3,000 Gideons in Russia. We got over 2,000 Gideons in Ukraine. The Gideons and Auxiliary in Russia and Ukraine are experiencing the same difficult times that the rest of the people of the country are. Physically injured, lost their homes, fled, and fled the destruction of the war. Yet, in the midst of all the conflict, people are more eager to hear the gospel than ever before. Now let me tell you some good things about the Gideons. Did you know that the Gideons are responsible for the Bibles found in the hospital nightstands? Did you know that the Gideons are responsible for the Bibles that's placed in the hotel nightstands? Did you know that upon enlistment, all military personnel, first responders, police, and firefighters either get a Bible or a New Testament? Did you know that all fifth graders got a, Bible, a New Testament Thursday night at Vacation Bible School right here at Triad? Did you know that we print the Bible in 109 different languages so that everyone can read God's Word in their own language? Did you know that we're currently in 200 countries passing out Bibles? Did you know that a hotel Bible still costs $5? I've been a Gideon for over 20 years and still costs the same as it did 20 years ago. The New Testament in 109 different languages is $1.34. A case of 100 is 134 bucks. Not a bad deal. Let me assure you that every dime that's given by you people in the churches all go for the purchase of Bibles. Our dues and monetary gifts from the Gideons cover all administrative costs and overhead. And last but not least, did you know that Triad has supported us for as long as I've been a Gideon, which means that you as the members of Triad have sent God's word throughout the world. So thank you for your kind attention. It has been my blessing and honor to be part of your worship service today. At the end of the service, you'll have Gideons from Triad standing at the doors with open Bibles. I encourage you to give generously because the need is so great. May God bless the gift and the giver.
Buenos dias. Oh, oh, you know, the first service I had a couple, I almost started speaking in Spanish and just did the whole service, but you guys knew what was coming, so good morning. There we go. It's great to be here with you this morning. We always have, uh, well, first of all, you're our sending church, but we have a special place in our heart for this area. When we were raising our support, we lived here for about a year and a half, and um, actually our oldest daughter, Emily, who's now 14, she was born here. Matter of fact, she goes everywhere saying, I was born in North Carolina. I showed up, I said, this is where you were born, here in Winston-Salem. Hmm. She, she sounded, sounded more excited than when she went to Winston-Salem, but I took her to the bad part of Winston-Salem so that she thought she was born there. But uh, she had a great time. She went to camp a couple weeks ago or two weeks ago, and she, uh, she had a great time with that. And then our daughter, Megan, she's six years old, and... Um, it was really funny with Megan. We, we used to do VBS, and one of the things, that, the highlights of coming to Triad was the Vacation Bible School, because we used to participate when we were here 14 years ago or 15 years. And, um, and we said to her, you're going to love Vacation Bible School. And she said, what is that? Because we haven't been doing it in Argentina for some years because we don't have many children right now. And so I said, you're going to love it. And she's like, I don't want to go. And so she came on Sunday. And then she, she went home. I said, did you like it? She's like, Dad, can we move here to North Carolina? It was great. I said, it's not always like that, just in case. And so if anybody's a realtor, we're looking for a home in the Kernersville area. Just kidding. We do love this place, uh, but we have a ministry, right? Uh, what we're going to do this morning is open our Bibles, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're going to be looking at four verses this morning. And you have the title, if you have your notes, it's Ambassador for Christ. As you're looking, one of the things that I get asked as a missionary is, what do missionaries do? And that is actually a long answer. As a missionary, some of you have been down to Argentina and you've seen our church building, but as a missionary, there have been times in my life where I have been a painter. Okay, I participated in the painting of our church. Now, if you came to our church... You would walk through the doors, and immediately over to your right, you'd be like, this is what Andrew painted. And you'd be right. And you'd think, they need to repaint that. It looks horrible. And you'd also be right. But there are different areas in the church where I've been a painter. At times in our ministry, I've been a maintenance man. Now, I am not good at any of that stuff. And usually when I fix it, quote unquote, somebody will come behind me and have to fix it again, right? Or undo what I did. At sometimes I've been a janitor. One of the biggest things in Argentina that I've done is being a money exchanger. Now, I'm not out there sharing it with everybody, but when we get our funds, we can't just transfer it into the bank. We have to do a whole sequence of things, sometimes dangerous. Uh, sometimes it takes a lot of time, but just we find all the loopholes to get the money exchanged, and I can tell stories for hours about that. But at times, a missionary is a money exchanger. At times, a missionary becomes secreta a secretary, does secretarial work, not just for our church, but for sistering churches that uh, need help with that stuff. Seminary professor, uh, counselor, church planner, which is currently what we're doing down there. And to you, I'm a missionary, and we've been down there for 15 years. But in Argentina, you know what? They don't see me as a missionary. They know I'm a missionary, but they see me as their pastor. I'm pastor self to them. And so, here a missionary, there a pastor. One of the other things that I like to call myself is a protector. See, in Argentina, it's very dangerous. There's lots of wild animals and bugs. No, I'm just kidding. Um, 
I like to protect my family from all those wild animals and bugs. And just recently, a couple months ago, we had a gecko about this size come into the girls' bathroom. And I said, I'm going to step up. I'm going to save you guys. They were like, I can't sleep with that in there. So I went and got a Tupperware, and we started wrestling with the thing, finally got it, and left it in the backyard. But I'm going to be there for my family to protect them. I found out this week that you guys have more bugs here and snakes and spiders and all that, so I'm not going to protect my family while I'm in North Carolina, just so you know. But in Argentina, I can because we don't have any dangerous bugs where we live or any wild animals where we live. But if you were to sum up the job or the task of a missionary, all of those things are part of what I do. But the main thing that we do in Argentina is what our title is of the message is we are ambassadors in Argentina, ambassadors for Christ. Now, an ambassador, we all know what it is, but an ambassador represents someone, usually a ruler or a king or a president. D.A. Carson says an ambassador is a government representative commissioned to serve in a foreign country for the purpose of accurately communicating the positions and policies of the government he or she represents. That's what an ambassador is. There are ambassadors all over the world. That's what they do. They go and they represent their country. But what we're going to talk about today is being an ambassador, but we're not representing our country. We're not in Argentina representing the USA. We're not here representing Argentina. What we are doing is representing Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. And even though that is the task that we have in Argentina, what we're going to talk about this morning and what I'm going to challenge you through the Word of God is that you too are an ambassador. And if the Lord talks to your heart and speaks to your heart now and you want to be an ambassador for Christ in Argentina, you're welcome. We need help. You're welcome to come down to Argentina. But you might say, oh, I don't want to go to Argentina. Okay. What we're going to talk about is the Word needs to challenge us to be ambassadors for Christ exactly where we're at. See, we're ambassadors for Christ in Argentina, but you're also given the task of being ambassadors for Christ here in Kernersville, in the Triad area, North Carolina, and all over the USA, and maybe all over the world. So we're going to look at three things this morning about how to be an ambassador to Christ. How do I become one? What is the mission? What am I doing? And what am I going to share when I get there? And those are the three things we're going to look at. But first I want to read the passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 through 21 says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The first thing we want to look at is how do you become an ambassador for Christ? If the Lord wants to call us into this ministry, and we're going to talk about that in a moment, how do we become an ambassador for Christ? If you have your notes there, letter A, first of all, the Bible says we are enemies of God. And that's letter A, they're enemies of God. So if we're enemies of God, then obviously as enemies of God, we can't be ambassadors for Christ because the Bible says we're enemies. The Bible, ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, 
People have been born. They were in sin. People have been born in sin and sinned. Their actions prove that they're sinners. And ever since Adam and Eve, every person that has been born has been born in sin as an enemy of God. Our sin, even though it affects us, our sin is against God. And there's a relationship that has been changed or that has been hurt where we're enemies. Look at verse 18. It says, And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself. In order to be reconciled, there has to be a problem. There's a fight. There's a situation where the two people are at enmity with each other. And the two people he's talking about are man in his sin and God who's holy, separate, who can't even be in the presence of sin. And the Bible says we are enemies of God. You're born as an enemy. Some people live their whole life as an enemy. Some people die as an enemy of God. And some people, praise the Lord, stop being an enemy of God sometime in their life. But we are born, the Bible is clear that we are born as sinners. Romans 5.8 says, While we were yet sinners, His enemies. While we were yet His enemies, sinners against God, Christ died for us. Romans 5.10 says that because of our sin, we are all enemies of God, but it says, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Since we are enemies of God, something had to happen so that we could be reconciled. Because we can't have a relationship with God today. We were born in sin. God can't be in the presence of sin. Something had to happen so that relationship could be reconciled. Now, in Argentina, when I share the gospel with people, I say, at some point, I say, well, if you died today, where would you go? They all immediately, I've never heard anybody tell me, give me another answer. They all immediately say, I will be in heaven. And I ask him, well, why do you believe you'll be in heaven? He's like, usually the answer is, because I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I do some good things. I give money to the poor. I help the poor. I am friendly to my neighbors. I do all kinds of donations. I'm very good. Some people give me the answer, I attend church. Now, if you're really spiritual in Argentina, you have to attend church twice a year. I attend church on Easter and on Christmas. That's got to be enough for the Lord to be okay with me. They think that. They live like that. The whole culture. It's a Catholic culture mostly, and so they believe that those two Sundays are enough to be able to go to heaven. Some people say, I love to sing Christian songs, hymns, choruses, and sometimes I sing them through the week. They're on the radio, and I sing with them. That should be enough for the Lord to say, you're a good person, you're singing songs. Some people say, I tithe. I give offerings. I give above and beyond what I need to give. I don't even go to church and I give a whole bunch. I give more than the people that go every week. That should be enough for God to accept me. Now let me say this. We know that those things don't get you to heaven because if those things could get you to heaven, then why would God send Christ to die on the cross? See, in verse 18 he says, 
all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself. We were at enmity, but he did it through Jesus Christ. If we could be in a, if we could fix being enemies of God by attending church, then what a waste it was for Jesus to die. If we could fix being enemies of God by giving or by attending church or by being a nice person, then why would God do that and send the most beloved thing he had, which was his son? Why would he do that? It doesn't make sense. Unless you realize that your actions, your, the things that we talked about, are not going to get you saved. They don't fix that relationship with God. The only one that could do that, that could fix that enmity, is Christ, who died on the cross for our sins. In verse 17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, if you place your trust in Christ, you say, Christ took my sin, all my sins, the ones I haven't even committed yet, and he put them on himself, and he died on the cross for my sins. And he says, if any man be in Christ, because you believe that, you say, the Lord took my sin, and he died for my sin, and he rose again, showing he was God, and victory over sin, and victory over death. If any man be in Christ, if you believe that, then you are a new creature. You are forgiven. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And really, we can go into that verse, but really, you stopped being enemies of God and now you can have a relationship with God. That relationship has been reconciled. You now have access to God. Let me just share with you the picture here. This is Pablo. I think, yeah, okay. Pablo is a young man in Argentina. He's 27 years old. He showed up in January to our church. Now he was he comes in, he knew somebody from our church, very little, he didn't really know them well, but he came into our church and he said, he said to me, hello, I'm Pablo, and I said, I'm the pastor here, great to meet you, and I'm glad you're here with us today. And he's like, I'm a little embarrassed to be here. And I said, well, why are you embarrassed? He's like, you know, I've been an atheist all my life. I don't even believe there's a God. But for some reason, I felt that I needed to be here this morning. And he came. I said, well, God welcomes atheists as well, believe it or not. He welcomes everybody, and we're glad you're here with us this morning. After the message, after the service, I was able to talk to Pablo for about 30 minutes. Now, let me tell you something. I already said the country is 96% Catholic, so this is the first time in 42 years that I've been down in Argentina that I've talked to somebody who considers himself an atheist. They usually say there's a God, because that's what they've been taught in religion, so there's a God. This is the first person I've ever taught or talked to that's an actual atheist or, or admits that he's an atheist. So I was trying to remember during the service, during, while I was preaching, I was thinking about the things that I, was, uh, that I learned about apologetics because I had never used it. But anyways, I was like, I sat down with Pablo for about 30 minutes after the service and I said, you know, first of all, there's a God because creation shows that there's a God. There's a creator. And then I said to him, we went into detail about that, and then I said to him, and God not only created all creation, he gave you a conscience. And he put that in you so that you would know what is right and what is wrong. And that's from God. And you know that things are right and things are wrong, and nobody had to teach you that. You already know because God put that in you. And I said, but the most important about what God did is that God knew that you were in sin and you needed someone to reconcile that sin, that relationship. And he sent Christ. 
and Christ died for all your sins, for all your guilt. Long story short, Pablo received Christ as his personal Savior a couple months ago, and uh, he's been growing. We meet uh, on a weekly basis. We're not meeting now, but we meet on a weekly basis, and he just has all these questions, very thought-provoking questions, and um, it's just growing for the Lord. It's tremendous to see. He told me just recently, he's like, I started reading the Bible, and I started reading Romans. I'm like, well, that's a tough one to start with, but it's good. You're going to get a lot of things. And he's like, I know you're going on your trip. You're going on furlough, but I want to, I want to interact with you. I said, well, we can FaceTime. We can do all that kind of thing in technology. He's like, no, no, I'm going to write down all the questions I have. He told me he already has like 10 pages written down of questions. So when I get back, we're going to spend a good amount of time going through Romans. So, but praise the Lord that Pablo, who came in his sin, not even acknowledging a God, received Christ as a personal Savior and is now growing. That's what God does. But he does it through Christ. If you're here this morning and you never placed your trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that you are an enemy of God. But you don't have to remain as an enemy. You don't have to leave this morning as an enemy because God sent Christ to die for your sins so that you could be reconciled. And I want to tell you this morning, if you are here and you've never placed your trust in Christ, do it today. Right where you're sitting, you can tell the Lord, I've sinned against you, I'm an enemy of you, but I believe Jesus took my place. I believe he paid for my sins and you can be saved. The rest of us, do you remember the first time or back when you were saved? When you heard the gospel and you actually understood it? and you believed, do you remember? Maybe you were excited. Maybe you didn't understand everything that was going on, but do you remember what God did for you when you went from being an enemy to being reconciled with God, how you felt? How God saved us from being an enmity enmity with God to now becoming at peace with God. Do you remember that? Now, immediately after you receive Christ as your personal Savior, we're going to go into the second point, and you become an ambassador. Look at verse 18. It says, All things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and right away, and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. You know, to be an ambassador of Christ, there's no calling, other than the salvation call, but there's no calling. There's not a class you need to take. There aren't steps that you need to do to be able to be an ambassador automatically the Bible says you know, you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, you're reconciled with God, and immediately you are now an ambassador for Christ. You are now given a ministry of reconciliation. In verse 18 and in verse 19, 18 ends, it says, He hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. In verse 19 it says at the end, Hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. The Lord called us, He saved us, and when He saved you, He placed you in a place of privilege. You are now an ambassador for Christ. You are now to represent Christ wherever you go. You are now to communicate that same reconciliation that He did between you and God. You now have the privilege of announcing it with others. The school that you're at, if you're in school, God didn't place you there by accident. He placed you to be 
a light and salt and share the gospel and share the ministry of reconciliation with the people, with the other students and teachers. The job you're at, it's not an accident. God placed you there to share the ministry of reconciliation. The neighborhood you live in. Now you might say, well, I had a lot to do with that because we were shopping for houses everywhere. But it wasn't any accident that God that you landed in the place God wanted you so that you can be a light to the community around you. God put us in different places to be an ambassador for Christ. Not just saying it in our actions, in our words, in everything that we do every day of the week. We are to be ambassadors for Christ. We always represent the Lord. No matter what day, no matter what hour, we are to be representing the Lord and sharing the gospel. The next picture, Argentina is uh, popular for soccer, right? If you, if you have any knowledge of soccer, then you know that Argentina has really good players uh, all over the world making millions of dollars. I didn't have that talent. But uh, they're all over the world. And one of the the main guys, the captain of the team, is Leo Messi. He's considered, and there's not much debate, but he's probably one of the best players of all times, but he's definitely the best player right now that's playing currently. Anyways, Leo Messi, Argenti he played for Argentina for about 20 years. He never won with the national Argentine team. He never won a tournament with them, okay? And he played for years and years and years, and he's really, really good. But you know what was happening? There are a lot of other things, but this is the main one. Leo Messi was so good, and the other players were good as well, but they would give the ball to Leo Messi, and then they'd just watch him play. They're like, here's the ball. Go beat the other team. And it was very, he was playing, and four guys were, were guarding him. And he was trying to win the game on his own because he was so good. Some games he won on his own, but he was never able to accomplish a full tournament because that's just not going to happen. You have to have a team. Well, last summer, they put in a new coach. They said, you have two months with this team. Some people were mad he was in there because he, he was really a nobody. They brought him in. They said, you're an intern here. There you go. And he said, he sat down with the guys, and he said, we're going to change our team around. Messi is the best player in the world, and we're going to have him. We're going to use him, but we're going to play as a team. And uh, for the last 35 games since then, Argentina has not lost, Okay. They've won, and they've tied some games. And last July, they won the first tournament, which is the picture I have there, the first tournament during Messi's time there. That's the first tournament in 33 years that Argentina has won, even with all the great players that they've had. Now, we're looking forward to the World Cup in November, and hopefully Argentina won't lose again so that we can win that, so that we can be proud about that. But that's soccer. And in soccer, they realized that they had to play as a team. Now, how much more important when we're sharing the gospel and we're sharing the ministry of reconciliation, some of us think, well, who's going to share the gospel? Well, obviously, it's got to be the pastor. The pastor has a salary. The pastor has a lot more knowledge of the Word of God, so he's going to need to go out, and he, and he does need to go out and share the gospel. But sometimes we say, well, that person's going to do it, or that person's going to do it, and what we need to realize is that we are all a part of the ministry of reconciliation. This is for every single one of us. You really, if you know the Lord as your personal Savior, then you're an ambassador. So we need to take that challenge and say, the Lord isn't giving me of if I do these things, or maybe it's I need to go and do it and be an ambassador for the Lord. And verse 19, it says, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling what? 
the world unto himself. See, we're all in different areas where we're going to preach the gospel, but we are to do this ministry. The mission is to go all over the world and share the ministry of reconciliation. You know, it will take you about one minute to turn on the news and watch the news and know that the world needs a Savior, right? Well, who's going to do it? The missionary? Yes. We are down in Argentina, and we're sharing the gospel. And we're only here for two more weeks in Kernersville area. Who's going to do it here? We could share the gospel with a few people. We're not going to reach the people here. You need to do it. God has called you or given you the ministry of reconciliation, each one of us, to share what God has done in our lives so that we could be saved, and we need to share it with everyone. In verse 20, he says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be you recon reconciled to God. What he's telling us in that verse there, God did beseech you. God is using us. Now, did you ever think about that? What a privilege. God could have the angels share the gospel, right? And we probably would think, well, that would be a lot more effective because somebody's going to believe if the angel comes before him. God could just say to the angels, okay, share the gospel. He could just put it in all our minds what the gospel is, just like that. But he doesn't do that. He chooses to use us. And he chooses to use us so that we will share continually, that's the idea of the verse 20, continually with the people around us what God has done in our lives so that they too can stop being enemies of God. And I want to look at the third thing very quickly. In Argentina, we only tell them when the service starts so, and then we end whenever the preacher's done. Amen? No, no amens. Okay, so i got to get done then. Number three, the message of the ambassador. And we've kind of gone through this, but verse 21 tells us specifically what Paul is sharing here. He says, For he, God, hath made him, Jesus, for God hath made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin. Now, it's not saying that Jesus sinned. It's not saying that Jesus all of a sudden was a sinner or imperfect. God was, or Jesus was holy, perfect, harmless, nothing in his life. I mean, he was perfect. He didn't deserve it. But God said, here's Jesus, and I'm going to place all your sins and all my sins through all the generations of all the people in the world, and I'm going to place them on Jesus. And Jesus said, here I am, I'm going to do it. This is the Lord's will, I'm going to do it. He didn't sin, but he put all our sins on him and paid the price for our sins. He did no sin, but God treated him as if he was a sinner, though he wasn't. And look at the next part, verse 21, at the end, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. He took our sin, put it on Him. He didn't deserve it, but God treated Him as if He was a sinner. He placed His wrath upon Jesus because He was dying for the sins of the world, for your sins and my sins, that we, the people who believe, the people who have been reconciled through Christ, that we might be made righteous. Now, when you look at your life, do you feel righteous? The answer, if you do, then you need to look at it, but you, we don't feel righteous. But yet God sees us 
as righteous because Christ paid for our sins. So now, we're no longer enemies. We're more than that. We've received the gospel. We received forgiveness. But we also, God sees us as righteous. And one day we will be fully righteous when we're with Him for all eternity to worship Him. And that's all done through Christ. That's the message we're sharing. It's the message we share in Argentina, and it's the message you need to share here, here in Kernersville. Let me share some pictures about what we're doing in Argentina very quickly. Um, some of the things we're doing that we're sharing the gospel, and then we'll finish out here. This is the knitting class. I don't participate in the knitting class. Um, some people think I should sit there and knit, but I'm just not too patient. I'm not patient enough to do that. But anyways, the knitting class, they meet every Saturday for about two hours, and we invite people from the community. Now, the community is mostly Catholic. They don't want to come into our church for our services, and so we said we need to develop different things where we can get, come in contact with these people, share the gospel with them at some point, but also develop relationships. And so we said we're going to do a knitting class. And so we've had... Throughout the years, we've had dozens and dozens of ladies that have come in, and they just sit there and they start knitting, and then they just start chatting about all kinds of things. We know about their families, we know about all kinds of their jobs, all the situations they're facing, but they've also heard the gospel several times throughout the years, and some, some of them have made professions of faith through that ministry. Go to the next one. One of the things in this community is it's an upper-class area, and so... They, wanna, they know English, but they want to speak English because they like to travel around the world and use the English language. And so we said, well, let's have a conversational English class, and that will get people to come. And so we have a weekly class for about an hour, and they come, and everything we do is in English. We just talk. We just talk about everything, right? Well, one day, um, one lady said, you know, I've been coming to this class a couple times, but I wanted to know what you guys believe as a church. And I said, okay, well gear up, here we go. Missionaries don't know when to stop. So 10 minutes, I shared the gospel with the whole group, and they were all like, oh, that's very interesting. Well, one lady, she kind of looked confused, and she said, you know, I'm not very good in English. Could you repeat that in Spanish? And I said, of course I can. So we went over our time, and I went 10 more minutes sharing the same gospel message in Spanish. But we've had a great opportunity with English class, and we've had dozens of students come in where we've had the opportunity to share the gospel with them, pray that the Lord will work in their lives so that they might be reconciled. The next, the next picture is an orchid class, and I think it's misspelled because in Spanish it's with a Q. But anyways, the orchid class, one of the guys in our English class, he said, my wife teaches an orchid class, and the place we were meeting no longer is available. Could we come and do this orchid class in your church? And I said... I'll think about it. I'll pray about it. Now, it's about 30 people that come into our class or our church. They would never step foot in our church, but now they're coming to this class. And so I said, you're, you're, you can use our building if we are allowed to be there and interact with the people and we're allowed to share things that are going on with the church, which they're invited to. And he said, no problem. That's, that's great. And so we started this year once a month. They come in. They learn all about orchids. Let me tell you, I don't ever want to have an orchid. My, the first thing the teacher said was, if you have children that are still in school, then you shouldn't have an orchid because you have to take care of it full time. And you know what? After that class, my wife bought an orchid, so I don't know. She's trying to get rid of our two girls, I think, but you be the judge of that. Anyways, so they come, they teach about how to take care of orchids and everything, and we've been able to interact with those people and get to know some of the people from the neighborhood. Pray that we'll develop relationships and that will give us an opportunity to share the gospel with them there. 
The next picture is a, a ping pong tournament. We recently had this in our neighborhood. We had about nine. We had nine unsaved people come. We play a ping pong ter- tournament. The, the prize is a cookout for 10 people. And we're not talking hot dogs and hamburgers. We're talking filet mignon because that's the cheapest thing, really, to give a group. And so that's a nice prize. And so they came, and uh, we had a winner that came, and then, and then we all were invited to his house. So it worked out. But uh, we had nine unsaved people come. And we were able to share the gospel with them, and we spent a whole afternoon, sat four hours on a Saturday, interacting with them, just getting to know them, and, and developing relationships and sharing the gospel with them. So pray for that tournament, and we're going to have another one in a couple months. We also have the Christmas musical, which is the next slide. And uh, we finish our year, it's summer at Christmas there in Argentina, so we finish our year of ministry with this musical and invite everybody that we've had in the other classes. Our classes are free, so they feel obligated to come to the Christmas musical. And I don't tell them you're not obligated. I just say, come to the Christmas musical. And so they come, and we're able to share the gospel with them, and they listen to nice Christmas music. But pray for those opportunities that the Lord plants seeds in their hearts and that they might know the Lord as their personal Savior. And one last picture. I also play roller hockey on two teams. And um, I've played for about eight years. I used to play when I was younger, but for about eight years I've been on two teams. It's getting a little bit more painful now. I'm over 40. Some people have told me I should retire, and it's probably true, but I still enjoy it. But one of the things that um, I do have to say that's really horrible, I've never been in a place so sinful and disgusting as the men's locker room. And I don't mean as in dirty, it's just sinful. And you know, every time I go to the games and I have to gear up, I have to pray, I'm like, Lord, use me today. Let me be salt Let me be light. Let me be a testimony in there. Give me an opportunity to share the gospel. And I go in there. My brother plays on one of the teams as well, so we're in there together. And we've had several opportunities to share the gospel throughout the years, many opportunities. But just recently, one guy told me, you know, I played with you now for six months, a new guy on the team, and he said, I don't really know what you guys believe, so why don't you tell tell us We're going to have a cookout on Tuesday. I'm going to give you five minutes to tell us what you believe about the Bible. And I said, that's great, but I've also learned that usually Tuesday will never come, so I just shared the gospel with him there. And I went for about 15 minutes. He's like, no, 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 no. hold it off till Tuesday. We'll do it at the cookout. His name is Christian. Well, Tuesday showed up. We had 10 guys show up, and Christian didn't show, right? So I knew that was going to happen. So I'm sitting there like, oh, you know, horrible opportunity wasted. And one of the guys said, hey, didn't Christian say he'd give you five minutes to share the Bible with us? And I'm like, yes, he did. And he's like, okay, we're going to give you five minutes. Two hours I spent sharing. I mean, we went through everything in the Bible, but I shared the gospel over and over and over again, and I need to quit, but very quickly. That Saturday, later, one guy came to me. He's like, he was, he was laughing, but he said, I'm going to go to heaven. And I said, why? Because I'm a good person. And he was mocking me. And one of the guys, Nico, Nico says, you can't do that. We just spent two hours with them the other day telling us that the only thing that can save you, the only thing that can give you forgiveness is what Christ did, and you need to believe on him. You need to repent of your sins and believe. Being good doesn't do it. That's what he said, and I kind of just stopped. I looked at Nico, and I'm like, yes, that's what it is. And then I said to Nico, I said, Nico, you understood the gospel. Why don't you believe And he said, I'm taking baby steps. I'm taking baby steps. Pray for Nico. I believe he's under conviction. 
but pray for him. He needs the Lord. But what I'm saying is we have great opportunities there to share the gospel. Very quickly, the message is God reconciling the world to himself, forgetting, forgiving their sins, telling people that God has reconciled us to himself. God has forgiven us from all our sins. If only we would believe in him. Now let me just end with this. Paul says here, we are ambassadors for Christ. If you know the Lord as your personal Savior, you're an ambassador. That means 24 hours a day, seven days a week, everywhere you go, everything you do, everything you say, you are representing the Lord because you are an ambassador for Him. So let me ask you, when was the last time that you communicated God's message of reconciliation with someone? Will you be an ambassador for Christ? You should, because that's what we're supposed to do. But will you take that challenge and say, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to live for the Lord. I'm going to realize that I need to be an ambassador in every area of my life, and I'm going to take the gospel everywhere and live it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for this time in your word. Thank you, Lord, because you saved us. Being enemies of God, all we deserved is your wrath. And yet, Lord, you reconciled us by placing all our sins on Jesus. And he died for those sins. He gave his life for those sins so that we could be forgiven and have a relationship with God. Thank you, Lord, for that. And we pray now, Lord, that we will understand that when we know the Lord as our personal Savior, we are now ambassadors. And we need to share the gospel with others. And we need to live with our words, with our actions, the gospel. Lord, I pray that there will be men and women in here that will say, I want to be an ambassador for Christ. I want to take up the challenge from the Word of God and live for you. Thank you for your Word, and we pray that we will be able to live for you and glorify your name through our actions. In Jesus' name.